1987 was the greatest year of my life until it all blew up. It was Dash's freak accident, the interview on the cock went cockeyed, and the vigil at the beach caved in like a sandcastle. Hold on, I gotta write down that metaphor. When recording company owner Dick Shanks pulled the plug on us, it wasn't just the album or the tour, but as I drove down Sunset Boulevard, I noticed they even stopped putting up our Hammer Alley billboard. They'd only put up the first three sections. Unfortunately, it only said ham. I wish I could tell you more about Dick Shanks. Luckily for us, someone posted video of an old mid-70s television magazine show on YouTube. This is Who Is? America's number one rated news magazine show about today's biggest money makers and deal shakers. And who is your host? Wallace Michaels. Tonight on Who Is? He runs one of the biggest record companies in America. He keeps attracting the hottest new artists who have hit after hit after hit. He's Dick Shanks. But who is Dick Shanks? We decided to find out. Dick Shanks was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. As the only child, Dick was loved tremendously by his mother, Rose, and beaten daily by his father, as Dick remembers, quote, to toughen him up for the real world, no son of mine's gonna be a sissy, end quote. I thought I'd sit down and find out who is Dick Shanks. Yes? Mr. Shanks, Wallace Michaels is here to see you. Tell him I'm busy. Just kidding, send him in. <laughs> Mr. Shanks. Please call me Dick. Things must be good if I'm on Who Is, or is this one of your investigative reports and the floor is going to drop out? No, not at all. We're thrilled to find out more about you. First, a little background. When and how did you first become involved in the music business? Well, I was like any other young person growing up in Cincinnati in the early 60s, enjoying the rock and the roll. I'd see the other kids dancing, having fun, and I wondered, how can I get a piece of this action? So I started talking to the groups, advising them to write their own songs. I'd chip in. I helped them get into a recording studio with a little money I had at the time. Yes, it seems your name appears as co-writer on a lot of artists' hit records. Mm -hmm. Songs like She's a Hot Potato by Peanut Butter and the Jellies. Good song. Can We Get to Second Base by the Backseat Lovers. That's a good one, too. And That Guy's No Good for You by a band you actually named... The Shanks. Well, it's only fair, because that's how you make money in the music business, songwriting royalties. And uh, they never stop coming in, so that's why I'm a co-writer. I'm not some schmuck beating on the drums. I'm no monkey. I'm a co-writer. Some of the acts later said that, their words, not mine, sir, you were nowhere around when they were writing those songs. Ah, some of them have very fuzzy memories, because I wasn't the one sitting around drinking and smoking the wacky tobacco like some of them, puffing on the magic dragon high on the pot. And by the way, who told you that? I said no interruptions. Someone is having an issue with a contract. <sighs> Can you excuse me for just a second? It appears someone next door needs help with a pen. I'll be right back. I'm so sorry. This will only take a minute. Hey, Tommy. Tommy, sign the contract. Just don't have to sign anything. Sign that thing right now or I'm going to have Paulie hang you outside the 59th floor window and you're going to slip out of those go-go boots you're wearing and the first hit you're ever going to have 
There you go. They, no, don't cry. Don't cry. Who loves you, huh? Look at you. You're handsome. You can sing. You're going to do TV appearances. The women are going to love you. You're going to stay in mid-range hotels. What a big day for you. Paulie, take him out. Get him a sandwich. Now go write some hit songs. I'll touch him up as co-writer. Take care of that face. That's what everybody loves. Okay. So sorry you had to hear that. Oh, we were just... You see, some of these young show people, they didn't get a lot of love growing up like I did. Some of them need guidance, very direct to the point guidance. That kid, he's going to sell a million records just by having his face on the cover. Girls will buy that record just to own the picture. Is he a good singer? Uh, where did we leave off before that? I was going to ask you a very personal question. Fire away. I can't help but notice two distinct things about your appearance. The eye patch. Yes. And the wooden leg. Well, losing the eye was a life lesson. Which was? Don't tell the meanest kid on the playground that his mom's a whore. Ouch. Yeah, he didn't know. No, I meant ouch about gouging out your eye. Oh, yeah, that too. Uh, later, I turned it into a joke. How's that? Well, kids would say, I'll see you later. And I would say, I'll keep an eye out for you. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> you used to have an interesting artificial eye. Yeah, I thought it would be cool to have a miniature eight ball put in there, but it kept rolling around, and a lot of times you couldn't see the eight. It just looked like a black eyeball. L loses the effect. Yeah, but a friend of mine told me I should have sayings painted on it, like ask the eight ball. Remember those? Sure. You'd ask a question, shake the eight ball, and it would say things like, reply hazy, try again. Did it work? Sort of, but it was a terrible way to run a record company. I see. People would ask me a question like, can I have a raise? I'd blink and open my eyelid, but it kept landing on without a doubt, or I see it as yes, so I had it taken out. Plus, I think the patch is more intimidating. How so? Well, when a person talks to you, notice how they keep flip-flopping back and forth at which one of your eyes to look at? But when you talk to me, I can just give you the stare down with the one. It's a point prover. Oh, yes, I see. And what about the wooden leg? Another life lesson scuffle? Life lesson, yes. Scuffle, no. I was having a barbecue and accidentally dripped steak juice on my leg, and the marble in my pit bull's head must have rolled out of place. He quickly made a meal out of my calf. Ooh. It's funny now, but I can assure you none of the guests wanted ground chuck on the grill that day. Too soon. And if I may, I find the shape of the leg very interesting... Is that a baseball bat? Yes, it's one of Pete Rose's old bats. Look, he, look, he signed it down here. Let me move my sock. Interesting, there's even still some tape around the handle down there. Yeah, baseball history. And I wear it with a real Reds cleat from the 1970 World Series. I still hate Baltimore. Well, there you have it, Dick Shanks, hit maker with a wooden leg from one of baseball's biggest hit makers. Join me next time when we tell you who is Liberace and are the rumors true? Does he play pre-recorded music in concert? Tune in and find out. I'm Wallace Michaels. Good night. So you get the main idea about Shanks. And by the 80s, you didn't mess with the guy. A great example is what happened to the band The Snide Ones. 
They had hit songs for Shanks Records, like Soviet Secrets, because back in the 80s, everybody was concerned with those sneaky Russians. But on their last album, they ended with a hidden track. It was no hiding who it was about. He's Peglin Jim, he's a jolly nice guy, with wood for a floor and a patch on his eye. Shanks didn't appreciate the joke. He dropped them immediately, canceled all promotion and their tour. The Snide Ones were never heard from again. I mean, they're not dead or anything. Rumor has it they own a coffee shop in Ohio, and they sing to customers when they get tips. Thank you. But lucky for me and my former bandmates, we still have a chance to have our still unknown rock classic, Everybody's Going to the Show, Let's Go in parentheses, in a blockbuster movie and soundtrack. Everybody's going to the show. Yeah. Only one small problem. We can't find the master tape or any recording of the song for that matter. But thanks to my brilliant internal monologues, I figured out I could just get the guys back together and re-record the song. Who'd know? They have nothing to compare it to. So before we all meet up on Friday, I figured I owed it to tell my longtime friend and bandmate Danny Steele the truth behind our get-together. I'm even going to let you eavesdrop on that call right after this quick break. And we're back. And I'm calling Denny. Jimmy! Denny! Man, I'm so glad we're back in touch. Me too. Hey, Jimmy, man. Seriously. How you been? Well, I've never stopped writing songs, but nobody even wants to hear them on Hollywood Boulevard. I get overshadowed by a guy in a Batman costume. Some things never change, Jimmy. I just don't know what to say. I got a hold of the guys. Excellent. Kind of. They're very reluctant to jam at the studio Friday night. Did you tell them it's all I want in life? Well, I said it was very important to you, and you might need some closure on what happened back in 87. That sounds like something Glenn would say. What's he doing now, working as an English teacher at a poor school? No, he took over his dad's company. The bus company? Yeah, Anaconda Charters. But he grew it into a private airline for the rich and famous. Oh. And, I might add, you sure didn't have a problem with Glenn when you wanted a bus for the band. Would have been so cool to tour in that bus. That's the problem, Jimmy. We love you. But all of us getting back together is just going to open up all the wounds. So I made a mistake on live radio back then. And what about when Entertainment 24-7 leaked the audio of you rushing Dash to hurry over to the band house? Hey, Dash, we messed up on the time. It starts at 5, not 8. You're going to miss no, it. You're going to die if you don't come out here, man. You drive like a mad son of a... Malibu PD should have never given that message machine tape to Entertainment 24-7. That was a private phone call. See? It's a can of worms, Jimmy. You don't think it still pains me to think of those times, Denny? I even heard someone bought that property up on the cliff. I did. What? Once I got into Southern California real estate, I figured out they aren't making much available anymore. So I bought it. 
built my house on it. Look at the ocean every day. Your house is where Dash died? I thought it was the best memorial. I can look out every day, think of Dash. Plus, hell of an ocean view. Yeah, but isn't it weird to think his tires drove off what's your backyard? Not at all. In fact, we made tire impressions before we developed. Now Dash's two tire tracks are part of what we like to call the Infinity Sidewalk. It appears to take you right out over the Pacific Ocean. Huh. And I'm still in Van Nuys living in an apartment with boxes all around me. Boxes? Did you just move in? No, they're the t-shirts. What t-shirts? Remember when I told you we should just manage ourselves and not share any money with a manager? Yeah. And then I had that idea before we were going on tour to buy 4,000 Hammer Alley t-shirts to sell at upcoming shows. You really had Hammer Alley t-shirts made? Yeah, and they say U.S. Tour 1987 on them. I thought if there was any advantage back then, I could get them made for two bucks each. Thought we'd put 15 bucks on them and sweet profit of 50 grand. But you held on to them. Yeah, because I thought, you never know, the band could get back together someday. He said 1987 on them. Well, it could have been what year we established the band or like a Budweiser born on date. I don't know. What about Sticks? I bet he had a tough road as a drummer. No. You know those coffee stirrers at restaurants and coffee places that look like drumsticks? Please don't tell me. Those are his. Uh, he turned it into a multi-million dollar company making chopsticks, pencils, and more in the shape of drumsticks. Sticks with two X's. I never knew that logo was his. Dang. Yeah, but how about you? You've been pretty private, off the radar. You were such a go-getter. How have things panned out? Well, I uh, am currently in motion picture distribution for some of the biggest movie companies in Hollywood. I stock red boxes around L.A., all right? Oh, I love Redbox. Do you load any in Malibu? No, but I got a sweet chunk of territory around Sepulveda Boulevard. And if I load them early, I can get over to the beach late in the day. Sounds great. Well, it's been rough, Danny. I was working for years at a record warehouse selling CDs to a bunch of dopes who would come in, not know any of the names of the bands, or even worse, be asking me for lame bands that wouldn't hold a candle to Hammer Alley, you know? Yeah. Then Record Warehouse became CD Warehouse right before they got bought out by Blockbuster Music. And then I had to reapply to work at Blockbuster. So you know what? What? I just said, screw it. I'll just step up to the movie division. Do you know what it's like to work at Blockbuster for nine years? And the very week they made me store manager, they announced they were closing all the stores. Screw you, Netflix! Wow. Well... Jimmy. You don't get to keep the shirt. The Blockbuster shirt? Yeah. You have to give it back. And I had just gotten yellow shirted. Huh? When you become manager, you get a yellow shirt. It's a major step up from the navy blue one. I mean, what were they going to use them for anyway? It was humiliating. What about the pants? Huh? Khaki pants. Did they take those too? No, you had to have your own khakis. It was the uniform. I was unaware of the color levels of management. But I will tell you, I have a kick-ass collection of VHS movies. And they gave me a Be Kind Rewind Rewinder. Sweet perk. 
They gave me that when I got manager. Listen, Jimmy. Listening. Guys and I talk. What's the best way I can say this? There are certain roads in life best not retraveled. And for us, that road is Hammer Alley. I understand. I'm glad you do. Thanks, Danny. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Yeah, I understand. I understand I'll just have to prove it to the guys by doing it myself. Sometimes you can't even get the guys in your own band to understand things. But I'll tell you what they understood a long time ago in 1987. They sure didn't mind when I came up with the genius plan to skip playing stanky clubs around L.A. and just rehearse and focus on winning the Battle of the Bands. Grand prize, a recording contract with Shanks Records. The Battle of the Bands was a two-month-long competition at the best live rock club in L.A., the Brandy Boogaloo. Every night, different bands from all over would battle, with the winner that night moving on. We beat bands like Metalhead, Bottom Dollar, Dead End, Stomach Pump, and Skullcracker. We even went on our off nights to check out bands like Gin and Toxic, Tommy Three-Tone, and The Ugly Twins. I'm pretty sure they weren't really twins, but they were definitely ugly. They went down round one, because you got to have stage presence and good looks. We had it. Me up front, Gibbon. Danny Steele leaning back with his lead guitar. Dash, always in his tight leather pants playing bass. Sticks with two X's, captivating the crowd with his sticks and antics. And Glenn, doing whatever he was doing over there on keyboards. We didn't really think about it at the time. We were all too young and stupid to understand the Battle of the Bands was just a clever way for the club to get a bunch of bands to play for free. We didn't care, because the only thing we wanted was to win that contest. They sold a lot of booze, and we had nothing to lose. Ha! Obviously, Hammer Alley made it to the finals. It was between us, Love Squeeze, and Danger Zone. They were a good band, had a few years of club experience, but unfortunately for them, they fell victim to naming their band something that soon after would be a huge hit song by Kenny Loggins. So their name confused the judges in the crowd vote, so they took third. Now, Love Squeeze was a great band, but they were older and not wiser. So we had some girls send some shots their way before their set. And our roadie told them they weren't loud enough in the semis and suggested they really crank it up for the finals. But once the shots had kicked in, they took that suggestion and played at deafening levels. With the stage lights, they couldn't see most of the crowd left for a smoke break. They were a sloppy loud mess. Their big song, Ticket to Encino, sounded as garbled in the PA as a drive through speaker. Then it was our turn. The sound would be perfect, and we had the advantage of going on last. All right, that's it. Started with everybody's going to the show, let's go in parentheses, and ended with fire in the hole. And I made sure to throw in some local towns for more crowd votes. Yeah, San Fernando! Woo! West Covina! Lachola! Then we just waited for the big announcement. Alright, I got it right here. The winner of this year's 1987- 
1987 Battle of the Bands. Backstage was chaos as the house band played on. Hammer Alley and I couldn't even make our way to the dressing room. Congrats, Jimmy. Way to go, guys. Thanks. Hey, Jimmy. Where's Dash? Where's Dash? Whoa. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Candy. And I'm Mandy. We're the, the Zucker, Zucker twins. Candy Sucker? <laughs> Zucker, not Sucker. <laughs> oh. Hey, you girls want to see my dressing room? Um, uh, no. We hear that you don't have much to see. Yeah, sorry, little Jimmy. No, it's Slim Jimmy. Where's Dash? Yeah, where's Dash? Um, He's got a big base. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There he is. Dash! Hey, Dash! Wow, guys, congratulations on the win. I'm Dick Shanks. Oh, of course, of Shanks Records. Of course. Thanks for watching our set. No, I just pull up at the end when they pick a winner. Oh. This is my wife, Bubbles Monarch. <laughs> Hi. Nice to meet you. I can see why they call you Bubbles. With your big win tonight, you won the recording studio time, so let's get you guys in there soon with one of our top-notch producers and make a great album. <laughs> we can't wait. We have a lot of ideas for the album and the cover. Picture a dark, dank alley, but there's a hot chick in a bikini holding an electric guitar while lightning strikes. It'll all make sense. Music first, Slimmy. It's Jimmy. Slim Jimmy. Whatever. We'll spell it right on the back cover. We'll get you in the studio next week. I'll co-write a couple of the tunes. Huh? Bubbles, where is she? I like your band. Huh. I'm Bubbles. Dash. Dash Wilcox. Bubbles! Oh, uh, I gotta go. Oh, there she is. Maybe I'll come see the band in the studio. I like it. Bubbles, come on. He's a musician. Come on, honey. It's time to go. Don't talk to the musicians. What a great memory. Man, I'd do anything to get that feeling back again. Then the band would totally appreciate what I've done for them. And Hammer Alley. I mean, us in a major movie. Come on! Fire in the hole. And now I've really got the fire in the hole because of a recent call left on my message machine. You've reached Bloodstain Management. Please leave your message at the tone. You can also leave a message for Slim Jimmy. Hey, Bloodstain. It's Jack Jensen. Hey, usually I don't make these calls myself, but Samantha told me she hasn't received the master tape of everybody's going to the show. Listen, we're in a time crunch here. If I can't get the tape by next week, we're going to have to go with Pretty Boy. So, get us that tape. Gotta have that song. Let's go. They'd go with Pretty Boy? You gotta be kidding me. I'd never let that happen. There's no way that guy from 1987 is going to steal our spot in 2019. I have one more idea who might have a copy of our long-lost song. It has to be there. It has to. I only got a week to find it, and I got to get back to work. Hey, dude, does Redbox have classic movies? Uh, yeah, we have some. What are you looking for? Top Gun. Hey, I was just thinking about that movie. You know, there's a song in that movie called Danger Zone. Dude, I just want the movie. No, we don't have it, but you could go online to redbox.com. Dude, if I wanted to order online, why would I be here, dumbass? <laughs> he has no idea, but someday he'll revisit this Redbox and the movie he will choose will feature a song from none other than Hammer Alley.
Hey, this movie looks good. This is Miles Bloodstain. Stay tuned for outtakes from this episode. And now a very special message from Slim Jimmy Simmons. Thanks, Miles. On behalf of the band and myself, thanks for listening to season one of Hammer Alley. Did you know that all Hammer Alley songs are played by real musicians with real musical instruments? And all the vocals are done by real humans, not robots. There's also no studio trickery. When we sing off-key, it's the real deal. So make sure you subscribe. It really motivates the entire crew. And order your Hammer Alley t-shirt at HammerAlleyRocks.com. People are standing by with envelopes and Sharpies waiting for your order now. Well, until next time, keep rocking! And now, here are bonus outtakes from this episode. See? It's a can of worms, Jimmy. I know. It's another tough decision in editing. (laughs) Which one (laughs) which one of those will we go with? Channel worm sounds like a product from (laughs) You're killing me, Jimmy. You're killing me. And by the way, they ask for the shirt back. (laughs) I called Netflix and I didn't know. They don't need people. <laughs> no, you had to have your own khakis. It was the uniform. Wow. I was unaware of the cover level. <laughs> <laughs> Always were a survivor, Jimmy. Because rock's in our veins. There's your new song, my friend. You know what kind of rock I'm talking about, right? It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Yeah. Oh, gee, beat uh, me to it. Yeah, you, you say beat me you, to it. I can see why they call you Bubbles. <laughs> I can see why they call you Bubbles. It's a metaphor, Jimmy. Uh, I thought that was irony. I never got those straight. What's a simile? <laughs> we'll cut yeah, that, there. Yeah, that's good. There's no, there's no answer for that. Thanks to you subscribing to Hammer Alley.